Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you in-depth interviews with the people behind the hottest shows on Broadway, off-Broadway, in London, and around the country. I'm your host, Variety's theater editor, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking with Bo Willimon, the creator of House of Cards, whose play, The Parisian Woman, opens on Broadway November 30th with a starry cast led by Uma Thurman. Bo's in the studio to talk about political drama in the Trump era, working with Uma, his next TV outing, and more. Bo, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, we're here to talk about The Parisian Woman, which is a political drama set in Washington, D.C. during the Trump administration. But you first wrote that play in 2013, right? That's How does right. that work? Yeah, even even a little bit before that, uh, uh, it's it began with a commission from the Flea Theater, uh, a great downtown theater that produced uh, my very first stage production, Lower Ninth. Oh, I didn't ago. know that that was them. Yeah, yeah, and, and the Flea's always been great to me. I love that that theater, mm-hmm. and they had uh, approached me to 
see if I wanted to adapt uh, a 19th century French play by Henri Beck called La Parisienne. That was obviously one of my questions. I had never heard of Henri Beck before. Uh, so if, if you haven't, uh, you're in good company. <laughs> uh, he's, he's a pretty obscure playwright these days. It's a little more well-known in Europe. Uh, but he was pretty influential in the late 19th century. He was taking um, well-known forms like the French chamber play or, or the farce, the menage a trois, turning them on their, their heads, uh, and his plays were very controversial as a result. He, he also was bringing those forms into the sphere of naturalism, uh, so he was uh, uh, influencing playwrights like Chekhov and Ibsen and Strindberg. Uh, so they were familiar with his work, even if we aren't today. Uh, and uh, I read this play, and I loved it, and I thought it would be a lot of fun to adapt it. And what's that play about? Uh, so in that play, there is a menage a trois. Uh, uh, that at the center of it is a character named Clotilde. She's the La Parisienne, the Parisian woman, uh, and uh, her husband is is up for a, a, I believe a, a teaching position that he's trying to get, uh, and running into some trouble with that. And she, as a sort of grand bourgeoisie, as as this woman of society, is able uh, to uh, sort of manipulate and steer things in order to help him achieve that goal. What was revolutionary about that at, at the time was that you're rooting for the married couple as opposed to the lovers. Um, <laughs> oftentimes the, the cuckolded husband is the one uh, that is the, the sort of comic relief, uh, the person that is um, kind of a, a villain in a way. And, and he, he turned that around. Uh, and then he portrayed this marriage in a way that was more realistic than hitherto had, had existed uh, in the French theater. Um, now, as I began to adapt it, I thought it was just going to be a straight-up adaptation that would exist in, in, in contemporary D.C. Uh, what I found was that um, I wanted to make some significant changes. There were a couple characters I, I wanted to either get rid of or, or, or change fundamentally. Uh, there was one or two characters I thought I might wanted to add. Uh, his play was a five-act play yep. very short acts uh, hmm. but but five act plays with monologues and I want to get rid of the monologues I wanted to have a one act structure and as I began to flirt with these changes I realized well I, I can't go halfway I, I either have to go the path I want to go or stick closer to the play so it's a, a more you know straight up adaptation I went going I decided to go my own path and, and that's why we say the play is inspired by Henri Beck's La Parisienne, because it wouldn't be fair to Monsieur Beck to call it an adaptation. I stole something shamelessly, for sure, in terms of uh, some of the elements uh, in, in the internal lives of these characters and, and, a, and, a, and a few bits of plot. Um, but, but beyond the first you know, 10 pages or so, it really starts to veer into something completely different. Uh, and uh, um, you know, it, it became a process of discovery for me uh, as it became more and more my own play. Uh, ultimately, Pam McKinnon and I did a production of it at South Coast Rep. This is the director, Pam McKinnon, who is a Tony winner for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. That's right. Yeah, yeah she's she's wonderful. And I was very lucky that um, she was willing to come out to South Coast Rep and play around with us out there and, and put this production up. And, and South Coast Rep uh, does a great job in, in promoting new work and, and giving you uh, a, a place with a, a pretty you know, I think experienced audience when it comes to new work to, to, to try new things. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, I was really proud of that production. I, I thought that, um, you know, it, it, it certainly delivered uh, in terms of what I set out to do, which was to take this play and make it my own and, and have it you know, be thought provoking and entertaining. 
but uh, you know, you, you're always sort of left wondering after production, what could I have done better? Were there opportunities for improvement? And oftentimes you let it go. You, you move on to the next play. That's what it was at that time. And, and then you're off to the next project. Uh, well, as a result of that production, uh, we started to get some interest uh, from the Broadway community. Uh, Tom Vertel and his partners uh, said, hey, we'd like to, to try to put this up on Broadway. Uh, and it gave Pam and I an opportunity to keep talking about this play, uh, to, to keep investigating what it, it is and what it could be. Uh, and we, we began the process of trying to find a theater and, and raise the money and put our cast together. And Uma Thurman came on board. And so this started to really look like it was going to happen. And when did Trump show up? Well, we were pretty far along the process. We I was going to say, that we must had, be where you... We had a fair amount of our cast, and uh, the money was in place, and it, it looked like we had a pretty good lead on a theater. So, you know, the the the, the train, not the Trump train, our train was <laughs> was full steam ahead, and then uh, Trump got elected. We had a, 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 a table read, a, a reading, I should say, not a table read, a reading for producers not long after the election. And I, I thought to myself, well, this play, which takes place in D.C., uh, that feels very much of the here and now, suddenly doesn't feel like the here and now because it's not in any way addressing this radically different landscape that we have politically and culturally as a result of this man being elected. So I approached Pam and the producers and said, I would like to make some very substantial revisions uh, to to take advantage of this moment, to see it as an opportunity uh, to, to place these characters in this new world. And I'm incredibly grateful that the producers were fully behind that, and Pam was excited about it for sure. So uh, I did some substantial revisions. Substantial. That was going to be my question, is how much revision that entailed. 22.4%. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I, uh, it's, 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 you know, it's difficult to quantify substantial other than to say, uh, and also I don't want to give too much away, but the, let me put it this way, the, 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 at the center of the play is a woman who um, exists in the upper echelons of, of, of power circles in D.C. Uh, her, her husband is a pretty successful attorney. Uh, he has worked with a lot of people uh, in, in the Beltway. Uh, he has the potential to uh, you know, land a position of power. Uh, and uh, she has been mostly a woman of, of, of leisure, of art, of beauty, uh, someone who... Uh, has been fascinated by politics, but hasn't felt the need to exist sort of at, at the center of the dance floor. Uh, and uh, it, this is now taking place post-election uh, with an administration that handles nominations and, you know, who, how power is divvied out in a fundamentally different way than than we were used to, uh, and, and certainly that existed in the play prior uh, to the election. So... Uh, I, I thought if this is the milieu in which the play is set, uh, there's an opportunity to, to ask myself and thereby reveal to the audience, what are these characters' points of view about all of this? And has it in any way affected the choices that they're making? And, um, and what, I, what I found was that it, it deepened all of their motivations. It sharpened the characters in terms of where they were on the political spectrum and it 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 added an entire 
new layer and depth to the play and, and a sharpness and specificity of the character that I don't think was there as much in the previous iteration. Uh, so I, I think in a, in a strange sort of way, uh, it, it gave me a great specific opportunity to make the play better. And then how did Uma Thurman get involved in the project? All the credit goes to Pam McKinnon for that. Uh, uh, Uma was looking to do something on the stage, and, and she sat down with Pam, uh, w w which makes sense because Pam is such an accomplished director, uh, and they were talking about things they might work on together. And Pam uh, said, hey, there's this play that Bo Willman wrote that I think you might find interesting, that you would be great for. Uh, Uma read it, loved it, uh, wanted to consider it seriously, which was an absolutely thrilling moment for me to, to, to find out that Uma Thurman was reading my play. I admired her uh, all the way back to Dangerous Liaisons, which I think was the first time I saw her on screen. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I thought, wow, I mean, th this, this would be incredible for her to make her Broadway debut um, at all, much less with my play. So uh, we sat down, and, and the first time we met for coffee, it it was one of those moments where I felt subconsciously I had written this play for Uma Thurman because I saw Chloe sitting in front of me. I mean, it was Uma being Uma, but but I could completely picture it. And uh, and and before long, uh, we were you know talking about the play regularly, doing readings, and moving towards putting her on a Broadway stage. It seems like very clearly you're drawn to politics and writing about politics and what happens in politics. You've got this and house of cards and your breakout play for Argot North and so many of the things that, that you work on. What's the attraction for you? Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, I, I get asked that question uh, a lot and my answer uh, is, you know, o always the same, uh, which is that I, I don't just write about politics. I, I've written 14 plays, in fact, and only two of them, Farragut North and this one, even exist uh, overtly in the political world. Uh, it just so happens that the, the things um, that I'm a little more known for, whether it's Farragut North, Ides of March, House of Cards. Uh, Ides of March was the film adaptation that George Clooney made of Farragut North, we should mention. Yes, that's right. Uh, uh, take place in the political world. So that means one of two things. I mean, I, either uh, it's just, you know, sort of arbitrarily my luck that, that those are the, the pieces of work that um, have, have kind of you know, broken out or, uh, when I don't write about politics, uh, <laughs> it's not as right. good. Uh, I, I, I hope it's more the former than the latter, right. but, but yes, I mean, I, I certainly have returned to it. It's, I didn't just write about politics once. Uh, I've written about it a, a fair amount. And, uh, you know, I think there's something about the political world that, uh, you know, when you do it right, that, that allows you to access all of the universal things that, that we experience. Um, love, trust, betrayal, uh, you know, the, 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 the coming to terms with who you are and who you want to be. Uh, and, and it places it in an environment that has very high stakes. Uh, I mean, as we see in the, the real life world around us, the decisions that people in power make affect all of our lives. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's why, uh, you know, I, I imagine Shakespeare was drawn to Kings and Queens because, uh, you know, if you have Lady Macbeth, uh, you know, and and you're seeing, uh, you know, the, this sort of level of ambition that she has, uh, you know, we, we all can experience ambition to a degree. 
but in her case, people die. You know, so so I think that that it, it just takes these universal experiences and amplifies them. Um, I will say about this play that while it takes place in D.C. and while there's certainly mention of politics, I I don't know if I would call it a political drama per se. Its its goal is not to be. Uh, its subject is not politics. Its subject subject is the journey of this woman at a moment of self reckoning where she's looking at the choices she's made in the past, where she currently is, and and. The choice as to who she wants to be and what she wants her marriage to be, uh, it it collides with and intersects with politics. Uh, but but the the subject is her journey, um, n- not the politics that surround it. Have you found that it is easier to write about politics in the era of Trump, or harder, or neither? It's never easy to write anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I uh, I, I guess. Um, this play is the first time I've written a play in, in the era of Trump. Uh, if, if we want to honor that with era, um, I, 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 yeah, I, uh, and you know, it, it, it forced me to ask a lot of questions about myself and, and also forced me to, um, try to get in the shoes of characters that didn't share my political views uh, which is always a difficult thing to do because you're you're taking your own worldview and subverting your ego and making that disappear so that you can take on someone else's worldview and and, and at times and particularly in this play uh, a worldview that that I, I you know find abhorrent you know so you, you, one of the things people will find in the Parisian woman is that there is a spectrum of of political views of worldviews in this play uh, and the extent to which I was successful per, per, portraying these uh, multiple worldviews. Well, that's really up to the audience, uh, but, uh, but, it, but it's certainly challenging. Right. And did you, you've roots in the theater, you studied the theater, you went to Columbia. Is that right? You've got playwright. You, well, I, I really started uh, playing Jim and to kill a mockingbird in eighth grade. That's oh, wow. where that really That's, began. Yeah. Uh, I, and I actually bring that up because I had an incredible drama teacher in junior high and, and high school out in St. Louis. He had us doing things like transcendental meditation and Meisner technique when we were 12 years old, Wayne Solomon. Wow. And in his very small school, uh, so many of the students in that small school have gone on uh, to have successful careers um, in, in theater, film, TV. John Hamm, for instance. Mm. I was in a play. I've heard I, of was, him. I was in Stage Door with him my senior year. Wow. There's a photo on Facebook somewhere. He, he was faculty. He'd come back to teach acting oh, okay. uh, alongside Wayne. And sometimes we'd have faculty in the productions. Ellie Kemper was a couple of years below oh, yeah. me. Um, a lot of, a lot of writers that are doing well. Uh, and, and, and also my, uh, my principal's daughter. What school is this? This in is St. John Lewis? Burroughs in St. Louis. Uh, 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 my principal's daughter, uh, Liz was the niece of Spalding Gray. So, Wow. Spalding would come sometimes to St. Louis to perform, uh, often at, at Webster University, uh, sorry, not Webster University, uh, Washington University. Webster University is where his brother Rockwell taught. Uh, and I remember the first time Liz said to me, Hey, my uncle's coming to do a monologue. Do you want to go see it? And I said, Uh, sure. Like a monologue? What do you mean? She's like, Just, just come, just check it out. And Spalding did Grey's Anatomy. It blew my mind that this man could just sit behind a simple wooden desk with a glass of water and some notes and create an entire universe just with his voice and body. Uh, and we went back to the Gray's house 
afterwards and he, he it's almost like he continued the performance in the <laughs> kitchen just sitting a little kitchen table continuing to spin his yarns and 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 i if i if i really think back that i think that's the moment where i be i wanted to become a writer even if i didn't know it the idea that you string these words together you three-dimensionalize them it, 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 with the body and the voice and you create magic when i came to new york uh, I studied at Columbia undergrad, but as a painter. I, oh, I didn't know that actually. Oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm much better at painting than writing. Uh, <laughs> uh, writing doesn't come easily to me. I really have to struggle for it, which is I think why I veered towards it. I thought writing would force a discipline, uh, a struggle that, that would help me get closer to honesty. And, uh, and it has, I think, I mean, you know, how did, how did your roots in the theater serve you as you were creating house of cards and now that you've left it, how did House of Cards serve you as you were now working on this new version of The Parisian Woman? My career in film and television was, is something that uh, I, I still am kind of uh, baffled and surprised by. I, when I started out in the theater, just to put it in perspective, like I was interning at the Worcester Group and New Dramatists. Like I, I wanted... Uh, you know, I, I, I would be... I felt I would be perfectly happy if like my entire life was spent somewhere like the performing garage, you know, 40 or 50 people coming to see something really weird. We're talking about very alternative downtown theater for the <laughs> listeners who aren't, aren't, don't know that space. I mean, you must enjoy your Worcester group. I Absolutely. Mean, it, yeah. Who does not? Yeah. Yeah. And, and to be able to see Liz LeCompte work for two years on something. And I was sweeping the stage and answering phones, but occasionally I get a peek into this um, magic. Watch uh, Kate Valk work. I love her. Well, Kate Valk, one of the great actresses of our time. You know, she can do anything. So, so I, you know, in at New Dramatists, I'm seeing readings of, uh, of, of playwrights, uh, you know, who, who were doing off, off Broadway theater. And, uh, you know, for many of them, it was a, a huge deal just to, to have a reading that 20 people would come to. And I thought this would be my life, you know, and when, when I first started taking writing seriously, uh, a, fr- a bunch of friends, uh, we would go to the basement of the drama bookshop on 40th street, the Arthur Seelan theater. I don't know if it's still called that, but, uh, it's a good question. It's, it's basically, but that would have been the old building, right? The, yeah, well on 40th street by the port of, Oh no. Okay. Where it is now. Yeah. yeah. Right. It, it is basically just a basement with its walls painted black, uh, and, and, and a few lighting units. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not much to speak of it. You know, in fact, it's not, it's really not that much bigger than the room that we're sitting in. And, and, you know, I know those of you listening can't see this room, but it's, it's not very big. It's, it's long and narrow big. and it's very fancy. It's, there's a lot of like amazing, books a lot of around books around. And, but, uh, this was just kind of like a dingy basement. Uh, and you know, the first reading I ever had of a play, Tommy Kale directed. Oh, wow. He directed Hamilton and in the Heights and lots of other things. That's right. And, uh, I think there was all of maybe 12 people there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Lynn, Lynn, Manuel, Miranda was doing uh, early versions of In the Heights and Freestyle Love Supreme and you know it would be 20 people popping open tall boys and just watching him do his thing. Billy Eichner was doing very Oh wow. Yeah. Billy Eichner was doing very early versions of a live talk show called Creation Nation uh, and he would have guests come and, and he would you know it was sort of like his if, if he were Jimmy Kimmel or something but a lot more ribald and 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 ludicrous um but but there was also there were early uh videos of of billy on the street 
that he would play during these. Oh, wow. That's where that started, huh? Yeah. And that, that obviously became, well, what Billy's Billy doing on the street. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, Liz Merriweather, uh, who, who I think I mean, she's a wonderful playwright, but, but also went on to go create, uh, and showrun new girl. Yeah. Uh, we were all just in this basement, um, pretty much performing for each other and a few dozen people at a time. And I thought that would be my life. Uh, and I would have whatever my day job was. And, and if I was very extremely lucky, maybe I would get to have a production one day at one of the more prestigious off Broadway houses. So Broadway was not in your head at that point. No, you like. just, you can't, you just, you can't fathom it as a possibility. You're like, how do I get an agent? How do I get a theater to even read my play? Can I, can we get 40 people to come to this one off we're doing tonight? Uh, you know, you just you just have to accept. And I tell this to to young writers when I speak to them. I say you have to, if you're going to the theater, especially, you have to accept the fact that uh, you will never make money, and no one will ever know who you are. Fame and fortune are not. Not only are they not guaranteed, that uh, they are. It's a, it's a disservice to your own approach to what you're doing to even aim for them. Uh, the reason I love. Uh, working in the theater and in the, and the reason I hire so many playwrights on my writing staffs is because the people that go into the theater and the people, especially that write for the theater are, are doing it for no other reason than their love of story and performance. They will crawl across a desert to tell a story, a good story, uh, because there's just no notion that you're ever going to make a real living from it or anyone will ever know who you are. So, uh, I got extremely lucky in so far as Farragut North, a play that 40 theaters around the country had turned down, somehow got into the right hands in Hollywood and, uh, uh, and, and folks out there wanted to turn it into a movie. So this is a play that not even had a, a single production yet. Right. And uh, it, so it was completely ass backwards. I mean, the, this play is moving towards becoming a movie b- before, you know, I, I've, I've had any theater say we want to do it. Um, and in some ways, I think I, I only have a theater career uh, because uh, of of that happening and drawing attention to that play. And, and I started to have productions after that. I feel like before we go, we should uh, at least talk about briefly the uh, TV project you're working on, which is exciting. Um, tell me a little bit about about the first and sure, what's uh, going on with it. Uh, the uh, the first is uh, about the first human mission to Mars set in the near future. Uh, we begin... Uh, filming shortly and and uh it, where does that film where the films in new orleans in new orleans yeah and and are you, uh, are you on mars are any of the locations mars <laughs> is that a spoiler uh I, I i don't want to give too much away other other than to say that uh, if it's about the first human mission to mars uh it, it's not unreasonable to assume that at some point in the story uh we'll get there uh but but also new orleans is a, is a big part of the story um um for reasons I won't go into deeply here, but I've actually found living in new Orleans now for, for a bit of time and really infusing into the story. It's such a a magical place. There's a quote on a, on a street, not too far from where I live in the Marigny that's been spray painted on the wall. uh, And it's Tennessee Williams quote. And the quote is, uh, uh, there are only, I I may be butchering it a little bit, but the quote is essentially there are only uh, three cities in America, uh, San Francisco, New York and New Orleans. Everything else is Cleveland. Uh, 
<laughs> and, um, and, and having spent a little time in all three of those cities, but particularly New Orleans of late, uh, I, I can see where he's coming from. It's, it's, a, it's a special place. It's filled with magic and mystery. Uh, and I'm certainly trying to work that into the show. Anyway, uh, uh, t- our, two of our stars are, are Sean Penn and uh, Natasha McElhone. And we've got a great cast a great beyond cast, that, yeah. um, which we haven't announced yet. Mm. So stay tuned. Uh, but uh, but it's a departure from House of Cards in a lot of ways, uh, chiefly being that. Uh, but as you pointed out, sometimes you write about things that aren't politics, right? Often, more yeah. <laughs> often than not, actually. Uh, uh, now, that said, I actually think uh, all all writing is political. I think My Fair Lady is like one of the most political plays ever written. Uh, if if you think of it through the lens of gender and class and self identity, uh, it's also got some great tunes, you know. But 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 if you really think about any meaningful piece of writing, uh, it, it it is offering a perspective. It comes from somewhere. Someone wrote it, and whether they're uh, uh, explicitly uh, sharing their political views or not. Uh, you can't, as a writer, divorce yourself from your own experiences and worldview. So it will end up in there one way or another. Uh, and sometimes it's just more on the surface. I think that's a great place to end this. Thanks a lot, Bo. Wonderful. Yeah, nice this, to talk to you. so much fun. Thanks for having me. how your favorite performer actually feels well here's your chance welcome to the quiet part out loud with me bobby stegger broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of broadway creatives part interview part therapy this is not your typical podcast we'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists what they still struggle with what lessons they've learned what they haven't figured out yet there's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud are you listening Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.